The Living Strong Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Living Strong Podcast. And we are so excited every week to give us an opportunity to simply talk about issues that affect those living in the multiple sclerosis world. Sometimes, though, I always like to include those of us in the auto because we're like sisters, we're all related, and many of the issues affect one another affect each and every one of us. So what we do is we try to think about some of the things that we would like to know, some of the stories that people are so willing to share that they've been living through and how they've gotten through this world of mystery. And I say that because multiple sclerosis, you know, does not have a cure. And of course, no one still knows what the cause of it is. So that leaves so many of us, millions. Now I say millions now because worldwide, folks that are living with multiple sclerosis. Some of the symptoms, just in case you're new, lack of coordination, muscle weakness, loss of bladder, blurry eye, um, cognitive issues, a dropped foot, so many issues fatigue 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 i can't say that one enough but so many times we're affected realize how fatigue can really take us out but as i like to say you know everyone has a story my story being diagnosed back in 92 where i was a runner and didn't really know living in fighting for the last 30 plus years that's my story but everyone has a story, including our beautiful guest today. First of all, <laughs> she is beautiful. And I just, I love it when we share that. We always share these small little text messages that just lets each and every one of us know that we are loved. So let me just introduce you first and I'll let her share her story. First of all, Brenda Dixon. Welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. Well, thank you. Well, glad to have you here now. You have such an incredible... You are not someone that's living with MS, but you do have a a very interesting connection. But before we go there, talk to us about what happened to you. Mm, I don't know, a surprise, can I call it? Somewhat baffling. Something, yeah. something that happened, and we're still looking to find out what it was. Story. Well, you know, we really still have not figured out what it was. Before I go any further, I'd like to say thank you, Tim, from the bottom of my heart for thinking of me and calling me all those beautiful names that you do and accepting <laughs> all of those text messages that I send you. I, I am a pastor and I do like for people to wake up in the morning 
with Christ on their mind. That's how I make it through my day. So I try and share that with as many as I can. I have a daughter that has MS, and I believe you guys know her pretty well, Valencia Lescook. She's a dynamite person. She's my ride and die. She's the one that motivates me to get up every morning and do what I have to do. Absolutely. No, I did not want to exercise every day or five days a week and walk four to 16 miles a day. But somebody had to be able to lift her if something happened. And that somebody, God chose me. And I'm grateful. There was a time, I, I, and I'm not good with, with dates and times, but it's been about 25 years ago. Wow. That something strange happened to me. Yes, I did have a very bad accident at work which left me um, uh, with, with paralysis on the left side of my body where nothing would move, thank you, Lord, from my neck down for six and a half years to the date. Six and a half to, years? Six and a half years to the date. I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to talk. I had to learn how to move my body all over again. It just, the left side just quit. I got struck with a very, very heavy rack that had gone up in the air and come down. And when it came down, guess who was there? Me. (laughs) But God said, I'm not ready for that for you yet. I've got something for you to do. So... I don't know how I drove home. I only know what they told me on my job. Because after the rack hit me, a gentleman called my name and I turned to see what he wanted. I was a forklift driver. And as I turned, I heard this whoosh sound come across my ear. If he had not called my name, it would have took my neck right off Ooh. my shoulder. But God. Yes, but God. So... I drove home that night from what I was told. I don't remember anything on my own from that point. And the guy that followed me home, he said to me, are you okay? I said, yeah, why wouldn't I be? He said, you just had a really ugly accident. I got out, I looked at my car, I looked at me, I said, what's wrong with my car? I said, I'm going to the house and make sure my baby's asleep and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Right. Six and a half years was the next tomorrow. <laughs> I went to the emergency ward that next morning because when I laid down to go to sleep, when I woke up, nothing would move on the left side except my eyes. I went, someone took me there. The doctor told me, you know you will never walk again. And I was in a wheelchair at the time. And he said to me, you, this will be your friend for the rest of your life. No, no, no. I said to him, you don't know my father, do you? He said, no, what's his name? I said, you think about it. (laughs) I went in in the wheelchair. It took every strength I had to drag the one leg out, but I refused to be driven out of there in the wheelchair. Talk to me about the fear. Talk to me about the fear. The fear you must have had at that point. You know... The first thing came to my mind was, how am I going to take care of my kids? I have a son 
and a daughter, and they're six years apart. The son is the oldest. And how old were they at that time? Oh, wow. They were teenagers. She was, let me see, seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that. She was very young. Mm-hmm. I don't, like I told you, I don't remember dates. I don't do dates very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was a young teenager. And when I when they brought me in the house and they were carrying me up the stairs and I was fussing because I can go up the stairs myself or whatever. My son, name is Terrence, he says, Mom, just let them. He's never talked to me like that in that deep voice. So I got in the house. I sat down on the couch and they asked all kinds of questions, of course. What do you want to eat? What do you want to whatever? But I kept saying, I cannot sit on this couch. I have to fix dinner for you guys. <laughs> well, let's just say, we're having cereal for dinner, Mom. I know that's and right. I, I said, what? You uh, have cereal for breakfast? My son said, Mom, we're having cereal. I said, okay. No. So that's what we had for dinner that night. I don't recall how I really, my bedroom was upstairs, theirs was down. And I was a single mom at that time. I don't recall how I got up there. <laughs> but you know, children are, are very bright people. Very bright people. You have to give it to them. The next morning, when it was time for me to come downstairs, I could not feel my left side. So I slid out of the bed and scooted on the floor. Got to the top of the stairs, and lo and behold, there was this big, long piece of cardboard. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but my son standing at the bottom of the stairs with his sister right by his side. He said, Come on, mom, slide, I'll catch you. Now, he was maybe 13, 14 years old, and I was a grown woman. I slid down those stairs. You did not know you did not. Yes, I did. I slid down those stairs, and he caught me. They caught me at the end of the stairs. And they had taken the door off of the upstairs. And I'm like, well, where's the door? We can't use that door right now, Mom. You can't get around it. That's what uh, my son said. So when I looked to the right, to the left, to the right, that's the kitchen. The right was the living room, and straight ahead was the bathroom, and there two bedrooms there was a pad on the floor. Nice cushiony pad with a pillow. And there was a pot, a knife, and um, potato. Uh-huh. He said, Mom, if you cut them, and I will wash them and put them on the stove. And that's what he did for me to make mashed potatoes. Wow. They had ever evidently been, we had pork chops earlier that week or something, and it was back in the refrigerator. I said, well, what are we doing? And he says, we're playing house right now, and I'm the dad, and my sister is your mom, but we're not married, because that's not right, mom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I said, well, my. who am I? He says, you are our little sister, and we're going to take care of you. And they did so. Of course, there was not a dry eye. Oh. And just about daily, that's how we got up and down those stairs. Because he said, Mom, this is not, no, no, he, what did he say? He said, this is hurting you, and I know it. 
So you're going to stay down here in this room. And Valencia's going to sleep on my bottom bed and I'm going to sleep on the top. So how long did this go on? Um, uh, not quite for six and a half years because I, I met my second husband, bless his heart, James W. Gibson. He came into our life and uh, he helped us really an uh, awful, awful, awful lot. Even though I could not walk on my own. I could slide my legs. I can scoop, <laughs> but I couldn't walk. <laughs> and I, yes, ma'am. And if I remember correctly, some some little birdie told me that you were a heck of a dancer. Ooh, Not was, still is. So that must have been difficult, being um, having your mobility limited. And most, how did you make that transition? You know, it was not easy, but I I would get the broom on the right-hand side, and me and the broom would dance, or me and my son. I would sit on the stool or sit on the couch or wherever. My son would dance with me on the right-hand side, then my daughter would dance with me, and I would move that one leg, and I would look at that left leg and tell it, come on to myself, come on, move, move. It wouldn't move. It wasn't going nowhere. But you know something, Kim? There was a program that Chrysler put me in. I had to live in a place called the W.O. Walker Center on 106th and St. Clair. And I know it well. 106th and Euclid. Yes, 106th no. and Euclid. Mm-hmm. Was it Euclid, St. Clair? I think Euclid. Okay, 106. I lived there Monday through Friday, and they allowed me to come home on the weekend for six months. Wow. I had, well, the the, um, incident affected my brain, my complete left side. And they told me, now, you will never walk again. I never listened. You would never be able to talk like you're supposed to again. I never listened. And you will forget all of your past memories. You'll remember things up, you know, recent stuff. But you forget your long-term memory will not come back. I never listened. I've been a child of God since I was four years old. And I'm 68 years old right now. Mm. And I was trusting with any and everything I got. I dance again, Kim. Oh, I love it. Very well, if I have to say so. I love it. I love it. So so tell me about the day that you could see a change coming. Uh, I don't remember exactly the date, but I know it was four years later. But tell me how you felt. What could you feel? How did you know it was coming? I went to get up. The kids were asleep. At the time, he was my fiance. He wasn't my husband yet. But he was in the living room and he was sitting in, in the living room. He was asleep. And I come out of the bedroom and I put that left foot on the floor and I felt it hit the floor. So I picked it up again and put it down. I picked it up again and put it down. And then I started hollering. 
Thank you, Jesus. Over and over and over again. Needless to say, everybody came running because they thought something was wrong. This time it was something right. So I was like maybe six steps from the bed to the door. My son says, Mama, what are you doing? I said, stand there and watch me. And of course, he got in, in the little stand like a football player. You know how football players Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He got like that. <laughs> Valencia said, you better move. I got it this time. <laughs> I walked to them. When I got to Valencia, she looked at her brother. She said, I told you. She said God was going to do it. Oh. I love it. I and love it. Did. And he did. Indeed, indeed. I've been walking ever since. Oh my gosh. And not only have you been walking ever since, you've been uplifting everyone else. Now here you recover from the debilitating um some type of um, mobility issue. And your baby who once sat at the bottom of that ramp waiting to, is now looking for you for your help and your guidance to carry her we're running out of time but can you please please share with us what that must be like for a mom to turn around and care for her own daughter wow caring for Valencia is so heartwarming because she never quit. I can imagine her alone moment with just her by herself or her and her son or for her and Jesus. I can imagine those moments being really tearful, a lot of screaming or whatever, but she's never shown that to me. She's always been a fighter. And I tell her all the time, listen, you don't have to be strong for me, baby. I got you. She says, Mama, you taught me. I learned from the past. I said, okay, let's do this. And she will, I mean, she will do her darndest to do it right. And I told her one day, she said, Mama, I didn't do that right. Let's do it again. I said, wait, hold it, hold it. Who's right? You're right or everybody else is right. Mm -hmm. If it was right for you, don't worry about us. That's right. Just do you. Just in case you're just now joining us, real quickly, Brenda's daughter yeah, now has multiple sclerosis as well. She and I met way back. I mean, it must have been oh, wow. 25 years easy ago. And, you know, she told me that. Madison, she and I both thinking we're little two little cuties walking around on the little boat ride, you know. And neither one of us really had an idea of what MS really looked like. She kept telling me, oh, no, you don't, no, you don't. But as both of us started to progress, we understood what many of the doctors were talking about and what they were looking for. She too, this body, and she's still a cutie. It's changed. <laughs> Mama's not only taking care of herself, taking care of her baby, then I understand there's even other members of the feminine, you will not let fall by the way. No, 
I have a mother-in-law that's 104 years old, and she just moved in here with us, and my husband will be 84 in September. And I've got to be there for them. God, they sent me an angel. Send me some angels. God, I love them. What and advice? you need me, baby, I'm there. I All know you, you are. You know that. What advice would you give someone that also sitting at a point of confusion and scared and afraid and not sure how to move forward? What would you say? I would tell them first, get your relationship with Christ. He doesn't want you to be cute. He don't care about you being fat. He doesn't care about you being tall or skinny. All he wants you to do is trust and believe in him. That's all he wants. If you make one step, he'll make two. If you make two steps, he'll make four. And look how far you can get. You have to trust and believe in Jesus. And he will teach you how to trust and believe in yourself. You got to love you before you can do anything else. You've got to love you before you can do anything else. And we so love you for sharing. Thank you so much, Brenda. And like I said to you before, everyone has a story. Everyone, we rely on each other the more we lean on each other for support, the better off we're all. We love sharing these stories. Hopefully you love them as much as we do. Of course, don't forget, you can always log on to our website. It's kimsellersfoundation.org. We are up on Facebook and Instagram as well. So please check us out there. Of course, you can always ask wherever you typically get yours from. We are no doubt there. This has been another edition of the Living Strong Podcast. My name is Kim Sellers. And until next time.